0: Welcome to Canque, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I am Sebastian. And later in the show, we are joined by Mel Woods, the, one of the staff writers at uh, Extra Magazine, where we talk about the role that uh, kink plays uh-huh. in uh, in the pride parade. So we'll be diving into that. We have quite four deep...
1: things that we call kink, but technically aren't.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll get into all of those yeah. a little later. But I want to start off, Sebastian, oh, in yes. Edmonton.
1: I'm not in Edmonton.
0: Well, we are starting in Edmonton. Uh, We're teleporting speaking. our minds. Yes, transport Cassie Mind to Edmonton, uh, Alberta. And uh, first of all, I want to point out that uh, there was a news this week from Edmonton that the Pride Center of Edmonton is posting their virtual Pride Month over June. So if you're in Edmonton and you want to participate in the the Edmonton Pride Center, we'll be hosting everything virtually. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, Edmonton is definitely at a bit of a crux of conversation right now. as they are looking at the 40-year anniversary of the Pisces bathhouse raids that happened in Edmonton. Are you familiar with the Pisces bathhouse raids? uh, I am not, but if you say 40 years ago in bathhouse
1: raid, then I'm going to assume that it's similar to what happened in Montreal, Toronto, Hamilton, and Vancouver.
0: Yeah, exactly. So there were something around 50 officers that stormed this bathhouse. 56 uh, men were arrested. They were all arrested on charges of being in a body house, even though there was uh, no sex work identified, there was no drugs identified, there was no alcohol identified. Michael Fayer spoke to uh, the CBC and a number of others. Michael Fayer became active after he was rounded up at the Pisces bathhouse, and a number of people had their livelihoods ruined by this raid, um, the police uh, issued the list of names. So, anyone who was in a job that was vulnerable to being outed, yeah. um, so some parts of government schools, etc., uh, their, their livelihoods were ruined as a result of this police action. They were charging that there was illegal activity going on, but the only crime that this raid charged on these 50 men mm-hmm. was the fact that they were in the building. That was <laughs> the only charge that they could find. And mm-hmm. they were working on it for five months and had 50, you know, uh police raid the building. It is absolutely ridiculous. But for folks in Edmonton, what the Pisces bathhouse raid meant was flying under the radar was no longer acceptable. I think that's one of the things that Michael Fair mentioned.
1: Yeah. There's a, a similar thing
0: is no longer viable
1: yeah there's a similar event that happened here in ottawa and the local media published not only the names but also the home address Mm. of those who were involved so it it really was it was very dangerous actually a couple people were assaulted as a result of it and they were under suspicion of being involved in the events they weren't necessarily actually apprehended so it was the the ethics around the relationship between media because we we talk a lot about the police but like the media had their hand in this as well 40 years ago they didn't have to publish
0: those names
1: so i mean Mm -hmm. but anyway this is just spreading it around more I,
0: i i bring this up because you know in in newfoundland in st john's newfoundland there was a decision, and we're actually lining up an interview to discuss this in more detail in the coming weeks. But they made the decision to not have police participate in in the pride there. You know, 40 years ago, a lot of these men are still alive. A lot of these men are uh, living lives where, you know, their futures were taken away from them. And then they had to rebuild, reinvent themselves all over again yeah. because the police, you know, it's it's hardly surprising. That there is some animosity against the institution of policing within that community. Uh-huh. Um, there is a researcher uh, who is chatting with Global News and, and other media outlets, uh, Darren Hagan, who is planning on writing a book about the Pisces bathhouse raid and also potentially making it into a play. This is something that uh, a lot of folks out West, uh, particularly in Edmonton and Alberta as a whole, have been thinking about. And uh, we obviously we'll be thinking about that incident as well. We are gonna to jump to our first song. This is Real Time by Redison and we'll be back just Living all our lives is a good time, but it's the only time, from the night before, knocking at your door for the last time, but it's the only time that I can see for myself, it's really not complicated. Hello and welcome back to CanQueer, home of Canada's queer media. That was Riddison's Real Time, another local Canadian talent. We are joined right now by a contributor to the uh, to Extra, which is where we we picked up this particular story. I'm excited to welcome Mel Woods to the show. Thank you for joining us today.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: The reason why we reached out to you to join our show this week, um, and we mentioned it a little bit at the uh, intro at the top of the show, is the article you wrote. And uh, the title here is The Best Clapbacks to the No Kink at Pride Discourse, uh, which I believe was uh, a bit of a response to an article from the British, uh, The Independent. Um, do you want to just quickly go over the, the the article that you wrote for, for extra sort of uh, the cliff notes?
2: Yeah, so essentially, I, I'd say it's a response to that article from The Independent, but also a response to this kind of conversation that happens amongst the queer community every year around Pride Month, which is the place that uh, quote unquote kink, which the people who are using that word often don't actually know what it means, uh, but more um, sexualized, more nudity, more leather, more BDSM, SNM, lots of different aspects of uh, queer culture. What place those things have at pride. Um, and a lot of kind of conservative voices and, you know, it's it's mostly coming from like conservative voices and folks who aren't necessarily at pride themselves, to be honest, saying that, oh, pride should be kid friendly. Pride should be sanitized. Pride should not have these aspects. So it's quote unquote, more welcoming and open to everybody. And so a lot of the queer community has pushed back against that saying, yo, like pride was is a riot, it was grounded in a protest. And and these aspects of the LGBTQ2S Plus community are in, are so important to that. And we can't just erase them from pride. And so the the story that I wrote for extra kind of collected a lot of those reactions. There are a lot of fun memes and 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 jokes and and I, I refer to them as clapbacks to kind of the just the inherent silliness of that argument, that suggesting that there shouldn't be kink of pride is. Against what pride is at, at its core.
0: It, it reminds me of I got angry recently, and, and I don't. I'm not often, you know, uh, risen to anger, but I, I like to watch the View with Whoopi Goldberg mainly because of Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, let's oh, let's right. all be honest in the room. It's Whoopi Why Goldberg. You do
1: this to yourself.
0: <laughs> but it's Whoopi Goldberg. But what really annoyed me is that this, you know, panel of four straight women were telling pride what they should do. Um, And it was a discussion around the decision by uh, Heritage of Pride in uh, New York, the body that organizes New York's Pride, uh, their decision to not allow the police to march. And the argument that they were making is pride is supposed to be welcoming for everybody. So how dare pride exclude someone? And it was them, these straight women, telling the gay community what they should do. And there was just something about that that just irked me to such a degree that then when I'm reading about, uh, you know, commentators and people saying what should or should not be a Pride, who are not in that community, it upsets me. I'm going to need to take a hot minute to calm down again. So maybe, Seb, if you want to jump in. There is an interesting difference, though, because like here in Ottawa, we do have people from within
1: the community who propose similar arguments. But because they're within the community, it feels more like a discussion and less like outsiders telling you what to do. And there is more of a response as well. If you say, well, I disagree for the following reasons, uh, instead of being, well, you should. It's, well, you know, it turns into a conversation. Why do you feel that way? What's the solution? Can we meet in the middle? Is it worth meeting in the middle? Should we fight? Like, what what fight is a debate? Like, what is the, you know, how do we respond to this? And, And it's a very different tone when it comes from the inside or the outside. You know, it's the difference between your best friend telling you you're not fat, but in that shirt you are. And the neighbor saying that. I want to back off with something that, that uh, Mel wrote in the article about how a lot of these things aren't kink. And I think we should probably find a better word. Cause like, I know a lot of, I know a few people who get involved in uh, puppy play or pony play. And if you're not familiar with that is that there's an entire conversation around that. But I actually know a few puppies and ponies who say they refuse to do anything sexual while they're doing puppy play or pony play. It is not kink or a fetish per se. It's something else that it, it's a a role play thing. It's a community thing. It's something completely different. And, and
0: I just want to, I'm sorry, Seb, I'm going to have to jump in here. We're not referring to actual animals. This yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, you know, impersonating a, a persona a, a character, there's no actual ponies or actual puppies. Involved are,
1: are almost always uh, men, and ponies are almost always women. There's a bit of a gender divide there. You do get some crossover, but generally speaking, there's this little uh, division. And uh, if you see a puppy, you know a puppy when you see a puppy because they have that very distinct mask that they wear. Um, and it, it's to call it a fetish or to call it a kink is not entirely honest. Sometimes it is, depending on on who it is. And to say that it's not fetish adjacent. Would be as dishonest as saying that it is a fetish, uh, but I don't know how to refer to this whole globe of of, of things because, like a lot of nudists, it's not sex, it's not sexual for them, you know. So I mean, I, I don't, I feel like we
2: need a different language
1: for this. Mm-hmm. Well, and
2: and and a big a big thing that I I point out in the piece and that gets me about the no kink at quote unquote no kink at pride discourse is it's it's based on a lot of the like quote unquote respectability that you know I think. Transphobia comes from, um, opposition to drag communities comes from, it's this over-sexualization of things that are not necessarily inherently sexual. And so when you see the conservative backlash to something like a drag queen story time, um, where it's like, that is like the most simple, uh, non-sexual, wholesome experience of drag queens reading stories to kids. But there's this reaction from, Um, folks to overly sexualize it and I think that applies to a lot of the things that are mislabeled as kink in this situation you know you think of like leather dykes on bikes and uh puppy play like you said and ponies and whatnot and I think that the way that those folks present at pride and and at pride parades is a very welcoming and wholesome way Uh, it's very fun there's a there's a picture that was going around on social media amidst all this discourse of like a guy in a puppy mask down on his knees like greeting a child. And it was a really nice interaction. And the puppy was like being very friendly and the kid was really curious. And And I think that there's this kind of reactionary push to label these things as like sexual and evil and threatening when really, they're like the furthest thing from it.
0: Mm-hmm. I think in in the Canadian context, we have over 110 pride parades from coast to coast to coast to coast. Um, I think that's one too many coasts, but you get the idea. And, you know, for me, we're not necessarily talking about Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, because those ones are ginormous. Yeah. You know, there's the 90% of these parades are, you know, insert bank name here, followed by insert retail store here. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're talking, I think the concern from, you know, what, what I want to dive into is as more communities outside of these major metropolitan areas start to host Pride parades, there's a whole swath of the Canadian public that is now witnessing <laughs> what is a Pride parade and, and, and everything that's included in that. Um, Mel, you, you mentioned the sort of pushback from uh, small-c conservatives on this. Do you think that the fact that it's that Pride parades and Pride gatherings are pushing out of urban centres is maybe related to that
2: I think there's that I think there's also a sense of not understanding I think a lot of these communities are not folks that people see every day you know you aren't wearing your puppy mask to the store to buy groceries but pride is the one time a year where you get to kind of show off and celebrate those aspects about yourself and when we have pride celebrations in places where people aren't familiar with those you know lifestyles or or, or cultural things it's unfamiliar and often the reaction is saying, oh, it's therefore bad. And, you know, I think we think like decades ago, that was the same reaction that was given to, you know, two men kissing or, or or whatnot. And I think that it's a, a sense of unfamiliar understanding. And it's an easy thing for me to say, I mean, I grew up in a tiny, tiny Hamlet outside of Red Deer, Alberta. Like that is the heartland of, you know, oh, I've never met a gay person type space. And for me as a queer person coming up in that space and leaving and then going back and saying like you know it's not that people are actively trying to maliciously not understand it's an unfamiliarity and and unfamiliar things can seem scary or frightening but when the reaction is saying like okay that's i'm going to dictate how you get to celebrate your lifestyle and your identity and your culture that's when we kind of run into a problem i think i think we can be patient with people and again, I go back to that picture of the puppy and the kid, where it's saying, like, we can. Pride is a great time to teach people about all the different ways that people, you know, celebrate themselves and their identities and their sexualities. Um, but if you try and ban those things because they're too confusing or too frightening to you, then it's not good.
0: What are your thoughts on it, Seb, This the idea of kinks' place in Pride.
2: Well. I mean,
0: I'm glad you use the
2: word place
1: because there is, even within the community, there is this idea of respecting context. When you get to larger festivals, like Ottawa is now large enough where we can sort of put ourselves into that category. We do have different spaces. So the parade, everyone goes there and parade is for everyone. And if you don't like what you see at the parade, you have the right to stay home. Uh, we also have a family picnic, which is actually specifically oriented towards children, and the feeling there is don't wear anything to the family picnic that you wouldn't wear to your kids primary school on a wednesday Mm -hmm. and then we have the beer gardens which has a nice little wall around it and if i'm going to pay five bucks to get into the beer gardens and nobody offends me then it's not a good pride.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You've been cheated at the door. (laughs) I've been cheated, yeah.
1: I want to see something that scandalizes me or else what is the point? But that's also, you know, it's adults only. You pay to get in. It's a different environment. It's sort of pseudo private. I mean, if you live in an apartment building and you can see over the walls, you can see everything, but it's, it's private enough, you know? And we have different spaces and different things go in different spaces. And, you know, when you're at the flag raising, like I've never, I've seen... I've seen drag queens at flag risings, but they're always really well dressed. Like they're they're wearing power suits and 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 you know they're 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 dolled up for a, a, an event like they're they're dressing like Jackie O or Hillary Clinton or something, you know? Like there there is this idea of respecting the space and that pride is not just one thing. It's a whole bunch of different things. It's small events, it's big events. It's you know, there are events that are oriented towards children and and I think it's an issue of just understanding that when you get a large enough festival and you can do that, you can fracture into different spaces. Um, You can nurture those spaces into being something in specific, you know? So there's always a big event that happens where they're they're very assertive to say, you know, this is not a lesbian event or a gay event. This is an everyone event. Everyone is welcome. Maybe there'll be a men's event or a women's event or a trans event, but like the, the big event that the public funding goes towards is for everyone. For those, everyone is welcome, and you're you're going to expect to see a little bit of everything and a little bit of everyone, and that's fine because that's what that space is for. And I think there is that sort of growing idea within the community that it, it's pride is not a cohesive, uh, you, you know, it, it's more like uh, it's more like one of those like luncheon meats where you have like the olives and the cheese on the inside. It's not like this nice consistent baloney. You know, it's it's more varied.
0: <laughs> You're on mute. What this reminds me of, thank you, Sam. What this reminds me of is, you know, I've been to Toronto, Pride, Montreal, small towns, etc., and I've never seen people with less clothing than what I've seen at public beaches. You know what I mean? Everyone's happy to take their kids. To a very popular public beach, and people are in the tiniest bikinis, and that's fine. That's yeah. fine. But within a queer context, suddenly it becomes dangerous. People wearing as little, or sometimes more, clothing is 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 uh, perverse or, or subversive, and it makes me think of this stereotype that hangs over gay men, um, and by extension, the queer community as a whole of the idea of gay men being inherently dangerous, being inherently pedophilic, Mm. you know, this sort of old stereotype that's incredibly damaging. Mel, do you think that that stereotype plays into some of this pushback against kink and pride?
2: I think definitely. I think that, you know, I mentioned earlier the the looming threat of the storytime drag queen, um, that there seems to be like some article written every like six months in like a local CBC about a local... um, you know, school trustee trying to get story time with drag queens canceled, and I think there is part of that, like, think of the children; we don't want them to learn um, thing, and yet we we don't necessarily call out the same exposure to heterosexual um, sexualization, or even, frankly, more extreme exposures to heterosexual sexualization. Um, I think that there is a notable, if I, you know, with more exposure to. The queer community, more representation, more mainstream acceptance of um, queerness. Um, I think that the public perception has an expectation of what that should be. And so when you see your like, your queer eye, your RuPaul, your, you know, very kind of corporate sanitized, your, your Jonathan Van Ness saying yas on a float sponsored by a vodka brand, like when that's, it's great that we have those figures. And we, it's great that we have that kind of um, public respectability. But I think then people feel like they can police queerness because it doesn't fit into that mold of social acceptability. That's been kind of defined by the representation, the Ellen's of the world, for example, it's like, oh, well, why can't you just be like Ellen? Why do you have to, you know, be a leather dyke on a bike? look at Ellen. She's dancing and happy and palatable to the straights. And so I think that that kind of policing of queer identity is also something that plays into this of saying like, okay, you can be queer but you have to be queer in the way that the cisgender heterosexual society is defined as okay queerness um, and the kink of pride discourse. And I think that's where a lot of the the, the kink of pride discourse that's coming from within the house, so to speak of, you know, because there are people in the queer community who are saying there shouldn't be kink of pride. And I think it is coming from that place of saying like, look, we can be sanitized queers and that's quote unquote better even though have, that's not
0: necessarily what we are. I have a bit of a take on that because I think uh, our friend Mike Tassel uh, shared a, a similar story to what you've, uh, what you've written. Um, for me, my, my concern with Kinker Pride is if you are a straight man and uh, you're just into a bit of whips and chains, uh, does that mean that you can take up space at the Pride Parade? Because that's, you know, that's kink. And I think the I, the core issue I'm coming to here is the queer community has been struggling under the thumb of violence, of being thrown out, of, of work, of employment, of housing, you know, being kept the other side of a hospital door as your loved one passes from AIDS. You know, there is a long, brutal history of what we've had to deal with. And the pride parade is a moment to go, my God, thank thankfully we're we past summer, if not all of that, or, or at least most of it. Um, not evenly across all members of our community. There's definitely some folks who still have um, you know some 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 way to go to meet uh, common equality. But with that being said, I am concerned when this anti this push for kinker pride is for me. It's not a concern about, it's, it, oh, you know, Morgana, I don't know if it was Joe or somebody else, but somebody said to me once that uh, sexuality is who you go to bed with, gender identity is who you go to bed as. And for me, that makes sense, but I feel like kink is what you do in the bed. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's the activity as opposed to uh, the whole identity. Maybe I'm not uh, understanding enough of, of the intricacies of uh, the kink identity, but I just don't know if straight kinky people have had that same history of oppression and violence that, uh, that the queer community has had. And what role do straight kinky folks have in the pride parades? Are they taking up space? is that space that should be made available. I don't know, as a queer person who's worked with and on and so on with Prides, that is something that gives me pause as to whether or not um, there is a role for that. Uh, What do you think, Mel, about specifically, you know, hetero straight kinky people?
2: Yeah, well, I I push back against that a bit because I think it was one of you who said earlier that when we're talking about the quote unquote kink at pride discourse, it's often not really actually about kink in the like, definition of what kink is. It's things that are being mislabeled as kink and things that are more cultural lifestyle aspects of being queer and existing in the world as queer. And so I push back against that kind of, I don't know if I wanna call it a straw man, so to say, but I don't think that the thing at the core of why everybody's talking about kink at Pride is about whether we should have straight kinky people at Pride, I think it is mislabeling so many aspects of queerness and queer identity as some sexual kink, um, and saying that like, uh, you know, the act of being trans is kinky. It's it's not. It's living, right? And so, I think that the the conversation around this doesn't have that in there. I think that there's place for allyship, and I think that, frankly, the communities within the straight kink community, if they're being asked about this, I think that they should. Draw a line and point out because yeah, pride is not for straight kinky people. Pride is for, I mean, like unless you're straight and gender diverse, there's you can be straight, you can be queer. I, I I don't need to go into all that, but to say you know, straight cisgender, not members of the queer LGBTQ2S plus community people, that pride is not for them. Um, They can be there as allies and support, but I, I yeah, so I, I kind of reject. I don't know if I reject that question entirely, but I think that the discourse around this is less about true by the letter kink and more about these things that are being called kink by people even within our own community like that op-ed that was published in the UK was labeling things like you know a, a dyke on bike being topless as kink whereas i don't think that's kink that's just celebrating your sexuality and your gender
0: i think we're in more agreement here than than not um, also in Canada, anyone can go topless if they so choose. It's it's completely uh, legal. So you know, get the get the fresh air all up in there is what I'm saying. But but my the the point I want to come to, I think maybe what I'm what better language around this is, folks who have who are in the sort of normative majority, those who have always been in positions of power and authority. So those who haven't been discriminated because of, uh, you know, they're clearly gay from 30 paces, or those who are uh, gender conforming and not, uh, you know, not by the opposite gender non-conforming and uh, uh, subject to, you know, harassment and so forth. My concern is, maybe not like straight kinky people in terms of how some folks understand it, but Like uh, myself and Sebastian have at least one straight friend, and I think Sebastian knows who I'm referring to here. Very straight um, is a um, uh, it'll come to me. But you lived with her for a while. Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And uh, and you know she loves Pride. She she loves it, but has zero experience of of why this pride parade is is so important and you know everyone's welcome to a fun party Yeah, but like having been in the closet having been in situations where I'm checking over my shoulder you know not holding hands in public that I have lived experiences of like thinking twice in scenarios where I don't think these other folks would would ever have had those thoughts and you know, and there are people who have had it, you know, much worse than me. But I, I do wonder about about that. Uh, do you want to jump in on that, seven and We'll actually, she's a pretty uh, interesting
1: example right there because, uh, well, first of all, having I used to live with her, and I could tell you there is Betty Page art all over the apartment. And uh, Betty Page actually is kind of an interesting example of how kink, like, and Betty Page was in the kink community and was a straight woman, and she did suffer for it. And my former roommate did as well. So, because she was a kinky person, and people spotted her at various events, um, she wasn't fired from her position as a kindergarten teacher, but she was bullied out by some of the parents. So, to say that you know straight kinky people have experienced the same thing as you know the the, the queer community, again, I think it's as dishonest to say that they haven't as it would be dishonest to say that they have. They're, they're parallel, but different. Uh, to a lesser degree, there's less criminality towards it, especially when you start going overseas. Um, but it, it's, it can be a thing depending on what it is. Uh, it also depends on whether you're you're dressing up for the role or actually doing stuff. Because through her, I met some very interesting people. I met one woman who only did kinky stuff twice a year because she always ends up in hospital afterwards. And in her mind, if you're not in hospital afterwards, you're not doing it right. Like this is full serious BDSM. Um, and she, I actually met her at a Pride event and she made it very clear to me, she knew she was a welcome guest and no more than that. She was a guest, she was tangential, she vaguely fit in, but ultimately she was there on a visitor's pass. So it was very interesting that like a lot of the people that I met, through my former roommate in the King community, they were very, very aware of their place relative to the queer community as being like parallel, but different. They're welcome at our events so long as they know that they are a guest, mm-hmm. you know, that they're, it's not for them, but they have something to contribute. So it, it's, it's very kind of interesting. And I guess something else that I would just add is the the fact that we don't really have something like a sauna culture or a non culture. So, like, in Finland and Japan, respectively, where, you know, you go with your family to a public bath, you bathe, it's not anything other than just washing your body and rolling around in the snow, depending on where you are. Um, because of that, because we don't have this concept of neutral nudity, all nudity becomes inherently sexualized. I mean, even in England, I, I I noticed that some of my English friends they they had a very different attitude towards nudity because late night BBC nudity is played off for a joke. It's not always sexy, sometimes it's it's for humor, but it's still they they have at least one concept of non-sexual nudity. We don't really have that. It's kind of a puritanical inheritance that we have in North America that you know, if we did develop some concept of neutral nudity uh where it's not just you know there there's there's sex there's perversion and then there's fully clothed you know we need another category in there somewhere and some of it kind of boils down to that as well the fact we don't have this other category
0: i think this actually pivots nicely to some of the the clapbacks that uh, you included mel such as uh, a post by sarah mcgonigal uh about you know billboards for calvin klein which is you know they they the- Barely modeling underwear. Oh, that's... And uh, and also, you know, a, a montage of people's chosen outfits for Halloween. You know, I've been an undergrad at a Halloween party. There is definitely a, a degree of erotic nudity that happens. So, I mean, do you find that... Uh, w- what are your thoughts on that, uh, that, Mel? That kind of pivot to the fact that maybe Canadians don't have a non-sexual position on this and that's what what raises uh, certain eyebrows.
2: Well I, I think it returns back to something we were talking about before with the specter of the unfamiliarity of queerness and that you know nudity, impartial nudity is permitted or accepted in these kind of especially commercial capitalist contexts like uh, advertising and and, and whatnot So long as it's um in a heterosexual context and so it's you know female nudity for the male gaze or male nudity for the female gaze and as soon as that starts to flip or there's any kind of challenge to that that's when people kind of push back and i think that's where that idea of um yeah just being opposed to nudity in specific at pride for example is because it's queer nudity it's Mm -hmm. trans bodies it's you know, you know, cis male n- nudity for the male gaze and, and and whatnot, and that makes people uncomfortable because it's unfamiliar to them.
0: I I'm gonna wrap it up here and, and say that I'm I'm not against, uh, you know, kinky folks participating in pride and and kinkier and sort of the queer understanding of the world, the sort of non normative, um, and I'm not super against straight. Kinky people uh participating in pride. As long as, like, you know, Seb age, you know, this is a space that hasn't been given to us. This is a space that has been carved out, um, you know, through sweat, blood, sweat, and tears. And as long as folks are, are cognizant of that, then you know, I think that then we, we, you know that'll be fine. What about you, Seb? Where are you landing on the the kinker pride debate? I'm all about context.
1: Um,
0: like personally
1: i don't like seeing anyone topless even if it's hot out and they're really hot like sexy hot and they're like "Ooh, baby Uh, and that's because i'm bashful and awkward but like i also don't tell people to not put their clothes on i just look away or just shuffle off awkwardly because i don't know that's just my when i was in primary school my brother used to joke that i shower with my clothes on but that's just that's the kind of guy that i am But when I lived in Japan, I did go to onsen and just hang out with a bunch of strange naked men in a bathtub, no problem, because that was the context. It was, You know, it was fine. So uh, for me, it's all about the context. You know, if I see a puppy at the parade or if I see a puppy at a beer garden, then I'm like, hooray, the puppies are here. They're actually, they're really friendly and they're fun to drink with. Um, If I see a puppy at the flag raising or at some kind of commemorative memorial event, I'd be like... Could you at least wear a suit? Like, I don't know, for me, it's just about context, reading the context, you know, uh, um, and dressing appropriately, which I feel is true about literally everyone. But in the context of Pride, maybe dressing appropriately for you is full body latex. So it is, for me, it's more about context.
0: So we'll, we'll end with you, Mel. Who gets to define what's appropriate for Pride? And, and, uh, and, and who can attend. What are your thoughts on that?
2: I agree with what Seb said. If it's appropriate for you to wear your full body latex, wear your full body latex. I think that policing people's participation in pride, uh, and I'm not talking about cops here, that's a whole separate, we oh. can, police, we can <laughs> police the cops um, because they're an active threat to the people who are involved in pride. That's a separate discussion for another day. But I think when it comes to like telling people how they can express their queerness and trying to say, like, again, in the context of those big pride parades and pride celebrations, I agree that context is what matters here. I think trying to police that and stop that is just harmful to the community overall, you know. I think, especially if it is, you know, older cis gay men who are not, it's not even necessarily older cis gay men. Whoever it is within the community that's saying, you know, hey, I, I'm uncomfortable with Kinkit Pride, I think should step back and look historically and say, like, oh, well, you know, 40 years ago people were saying, I'm uncomfortable with watching two men kiss. Like, we need to contextualize that and understand that this is meant to be a celebration of queer identity, the broad expanse of queer identity, every every letter in the acronym and beyond. And people who celebrate that with a puppy mask or you know on a back of a motorcycle or you know by handing out free dildos or whatever or wearing pasties and tits out uh like I think all of that is a joyful and celebrated thing of expressing pride and um for what when we say pride in that context in like that solid word of what should be allowed at pride I think all of those things are there because that's how people you know express themselves and if you Aren't If you say, hey, you can't do this, then what space do people have to show that off and make the world more comfortable with who they are and how they live? I think that's what pride's all about. It was a riot, it's a revolution, and it should continue to be so.
0: I, I, I'm glad you landed on that point because what you said reminded me of the sort of echoes of the 1960s here. And I think maybe Seb will, will kind of bear with me, where that divide between the homophile movement and what was then, what would later become the, the more modern pride movement. You know, the homophile movement was very much a, you know, let's behave ourselves, you know, slick back hair, nice suits, walk slowly and quietly with the tiny little placards. And, you know, we're on a boat, no rocking, no rocking this boat. And then the pride community said, no, this isn't appropriate. We need, we need space, we need equality, we need uh, to be treated equally as, as humans. Um, so Yeah, it, it is interesting that you know some folks who are now older in the pride community are kind of retreading that old uh, path of the homophiles back from the 1960s. So the, the lack of boat rocking. Well, I want to thank you so much, Mel, for joining us and sharing your take on this really interesting topic. And uh, folks can uh, check out your article, The Best Clapbacks to the No Kinker Pride Discourse, available on extra that's uh, extra magazine.com and folks should be able to find it there is there anyone else that uh, folks can find you
2: uh, yeah best place to find me is on twitter uh, at into the Mel woods um, that is where I am posting I, I'm a staff writer at extra so I'm covering uh, queer stories all the time uh, so it's a great place to check out our work um, and uh, keep on sharing it
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. We're going to jump to uh, Susan Carlson's full-on crazy. We'll be back just a Welcome back to Cancrea home of Canada's Korea media. My name is Nick Smith. My name is Sebastian. Did you know that a piece of the original the OG pride flag uh-huh. was recently returned to the uh, the Gilbert Foundations, the guy who passed, who created the original flag mm-hmm. um a an, an, like an original piece what really is an artifact? That thing's like
1: the- a kilometer long. Actually, a while ago, we were watching the movie uh, Jeffrey from the mid-90s, mm-hmm. where Patrick Stewart, yeah, J- Patrick Stewart plays the best gay man ever. Uh, but at one point, they actually showed Pride, and they actually showed the original flag, the actual footage of the original flag. And I remember you were like, I remember reading it was long, but this is bananas. Mm. It is, it's like, it's almost a kilometer long, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's insane. The The piece that was to, re- returned to the Foundation is not that long. No. Okay. Um, and I think it was uh, part... It, it had been added to over the years, and the piece yep. that they got sent was from the original that, uh, that he had made. Hmm. Um, so that was exciting. I do want to touch on the idea of flags. Hmm. There's been... It's, there's a debate. I feel like CBC and, and other local media just picks up on the where is a flag, where is not a flag yeah. debate every June. You only ever hear about it in June when everyone is very concerned as to whether or not there's a flag.
1: Here's the other thing. There's two different debates about flags. We're talking about squares of fabric on a flagpole, and then we're talking about digital flags in the background Corporate logos. Those yeah, those
0: well, companies. I'm referring to flagpoles here. Okay. <laughs> and uh, first and foremost, Haldimand County, okay. which is in the sort of Hamilton, Niagara region, right. um, they have chosen yet again not to raise a flag. Okay. They are the only county in the whole area that isn't raising a flag. Okay. Um, and uh, people living there are like, look, you know, the police station has a flag, the school has a flag, mm-hmm. but our local elected government is opting out. Mm -hmm. That's a weird signal to send. Mm -hmm. Um, On that note, Hamilton Catholic School Board and the London Catholic School Board uh, is bucking the trend and they will not be raising pride flags at their institutions. So last week we were talking about the Ottawa Catholic School Board, the Windsor Catholic School Board, the uh, Mm -hmm. Toronto Catholic School Board. All of them finally buckled and instead of inventing their own flags, they're like, you know what? We are going to raise a flag to encourage all of our students well apparently London and Hamilton have opted out so we'll be keeping an eye on the will they won't they flag debate um, as that Mm -hmm. uh, continues to to uh, unfold now one thing that one story that did get a little bit of uh, like an interesting bit of major attention is are you familiar with Westport Ontario I know the name
1: is it on Lake Erie
0: It is a tiny village in Ontario. And I mean, I'm talking tiny village here. I think it is a population of like 12, maybe, if you're lucky. Um, They were in the media because there is a local push to have, uh, you know, a little pride gathering, little pride get together. Um, It's sort of between Kingston and Ottawa. It's sort of... uh, South of Highway Seven, up the Highway Fifteen, almost. It's it's okay. really in the middle of a. It's it's really out there. It's a tiny little lake. It's um, like
1: Cornwall region.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely not uh, not easy to get to. But this okay. tiny <laughs> little village with um, I think it's got maybe six, just under six hundred people. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. They were in the news because uh, very excitedly. Um, So local folks have um, decided to acknowledge and celebrate the pride. I think a local businessman has come out and been public about it. Others have joined in in support. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, although, of course, I was a little flippant earlier with the pride, will they, won't they flag debate. Mm -hmm. But I think what this demonstrates uh, from uh, Neil Kudrinko, the, the businessman in question, is it is really quite powerful when you're in a tiny community of 600 or a suburb or or whatever you may live, where your neighbors come out and and have your back, Mm -hmm. where your neighbors come out and celebrate. Yes, that's cool. You're amazing. That's that's, you know, you do you. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's what this story really is. It's all about how, you know, of course, it's quirky and that it's this tiny, tiny village. But um, I think it's certainly quite powerful to to see the community gather around and support their own, and and show that uh, Westport is is a fun, cool place to go visit. Hmm. So yeah, Westport. I'm going to add that to my list of obscure Ontario towns to to visit before uh, before I leave. Do they have um, a small
1: town Prad? Yeah,
0: th- that's it. That's their little. Oh, I mean, sorry. It, at, at this point, it's going to be like five people. My brain was still
1: in flag mode, and I was like, "Okay, flag, yes." Yeah, <laughs> I don't know no, if it is
0: <laughs> I don't know if that pride parade is just like people crossing a street, or I mean, with a town of six hundred people, I mean, that it'll
1: be a potluck picnic.
0: It's going to be a potluck picnic, absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to also do a shout out to Calgary, okay. who have decided to name six unnamed parks in their city. How do you have an unnamed park? You know, like when you build a suburb and there's a tiny splotch of of greenery or
1: little mini parks. Yeah, because normally like city officials knock each other's mothers over to name that park after something they care about.
0: Mm -hmm. But if it's just like
1: a little triangle that was left over because the city's not on a grid and they didn't want to put a house there or something. Yeah, yeah, you got those little mini. Actually, Montreal is covered in those Mm -hmm. parks that are like 20, uh, like five square meters, like tiny, tiny, tiny little parks.
0: Well, these ones aren't quite that small. They're about okay. the size of like, a uh, uh, you know, a plot of land that a building might be on. Okay. So, you know, they're about that size. But what? they have...
1: It's, it's called a parcel of land, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. So <laughs> Calgary has decided to name these parks after prominent Calgarians, okay. including Louis Sabal Commons, Uh, It is a commons, and they've named it after Luis Sabo, who is still alive. Okay. And uh, Luis was the last surviving member and founders of Calgary's first gay club, Club Carousel, from the 1970s. That's a good name for a club. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a quote here from the CBC from uh, Mayor Neshi. Club Carousel provided a community hub for social activities and political activism, bringing about a platform for organized human rights efforts. Mm. So, yeah, it was pretty exciting to see that the tiny little commons on the northeast corner of 9th and 16th Avenue is now going to recognize uh, an LGBT elder in Calgary. I think that's exciting. You know, often... A lot of cities and things commemorate people who typically mayors and council people who have done things, um, but I think that uh, acknowledging the the role of of civic leaders, people who have helped the the civil rights in your community, is is a huge. A huge thing that can't go um, understated Well, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for There were some other Canadian stories And a a lot of international stories That we didn't have time to get to We're going to be playing out by a not-Canadian song However, it does feature Canadian-born Orville Peck And this is part of Lady Gaga's recreation Of her um, Born This Way album
1: it's 10 years old now. Mm-hmm.
0: And she's teamed up with Oval Peck for Born This Way, the Country Road version. So this is Born This Way, the Country Road version. And uh, we'll be back next week. I've been Luke Smith. And I
3: have been
1: Sebastian. And thank you for listening.
3: My mama told me when I was young, we were all born superstars. She rolled my hair and put my lipstick on In the glass of her boudoir There's nothing wrong in loving who you are, she said Cause he made you perfect, babe So hold your head up and you'll go far Listen to me when I say I'm beautiful in my way Cause God makes no mistakes I'm on the right track, Baby, I was born this way Don't hide yourself in regret Just love yourself and you're set I'm on the right track Baby, I was born this way self yourself prudence and love your friends Subway so kid, rejoice your truth In the religion of the insecure I must be myself, respect my youth A different lover is not a sin Believe, capital H-I-L. I love my life, I love this record Way. Don't hide yourself in regret Just love yourself and you're set I'm on the right track Baby, I was born this way Ooh, there ain't no other way Baby, I was born this way Baby, I was born this way all there ain't no other way Baby, I was born this way Right track, baby, I was It's okay, I was born, I was born, I was born this way. From London, Paris, Japan back to USA. I was born on the road, I was born to be brave. No matter gay, street or bi, lesbian, transgender life, I'm on the right track. Baby, I was born to survive. No matter black, white, or beige, Asian or Latin, X-Mate, I'm on the right track. Baby, I was born to be brave. I'm the no mistakes, I'm on the right track Baby, I was born this way Don't hide yourself in regret Just love yourself and yourself I'm on the right track Baby, I was born this way Ooh, there ain't no other way Baby, I was born this way I was born this way.